0: Don't you love a good story? We might not all think the same things about which stories are the good stories, but it's pretty likely that we all enjoy a good story. There's evidence of how much people like good stories in the industries that have risen up around telling people stories. Industries like television and books and movies, even though they all tell stories in a, in a slightly different way. And from time to time, even though we all have different opinions about what makes the best stories, we find those stories that just in general capture the popular attention. They, they rise to the top and they have a, a lasting and enduring value And we just know that's a good story. There's a man who's a psychologist by trade. He's done some work as a college professor. He's pretty famous on YouTube as well, who talks about stories and tries to to teach in his mind the stories that resonate with people the most are stories that teach about universal human needs and desires and goals and and feelings and so on. This man's name is Jordan Peterson, and Jordan Peterson certainly doesn't get everything right. He doesn't view the Bible the way that we do and the way that it wants us to, to take it. But he makes an interesting point that helps us just to think about how much people learn When they learn from a good story, a story that resonates with them in some way. This relates to Jesus, who taught a lot by telling stories. He told a number of stories that we've come to call parables, and at times the Bible refers to them as parables too but Jesus tells these sorts of stories that connect with human experience, real things that people have either experienced for themselves or could understand, and then He uses them to teach spiritual truths. It's all well and good, except it can be a challenge at times and for a variety of reasons for us to understand What Jesus teaches. One of the challenges that we face is the fact that we live in a very different time and in a very different place than where Jesus lived and had his ministry and the people who were there to whom he first spoke these parables. So sometimes we just need to stop and consider the the historical context or the cultural context of the story that Jesus tells in order for us to apply it to our situation today, that's one challenge. Another challenge that we might face is the fact that to really understand the parables of Jesus, we kind of need to zero in on the main point of those parables. Sometimes what happens is the opposite, and people try to take all the interesting details that a good story gives and they try to push them to mean something very specific about the kingdom of God, and and you can push too far in that direction. See, Jesus can't in a single parable tell us everything there is to know about spiritual realities or about the kingdom of God or about the kingdom of heaven. It's just not possible. He says, a whole lot of different things and a whole lot of different parables. And so for each one, he's teaching something very specific that we can take to heart. And when I say many parables, Jesus teaches many parables, it's estimated about a third of the things that he teach that he teaches. He uses parables to teach them. That's two issues for understanding Jesus' parables. There's still a third that maybe is the biggest challenge to overcome whatsoever. And that's the challenge of the fact that what Jesus is teaching us are spiritual truths. And we have a sinful nature. We were born not understanding at all, without any ability even to understand spiritual truths to understand things about our relationship with God or what God is like, what He's done for us. And since we still have that sinful nature, we need the Holy Spirit to work in our hearts to help us understand and grasp those truths that Jesus is revealing to us as He teaches and as He teaches specifically in parables. So it's not just because we like a good story that our worship theme for the next few weeks is tell us a story. Even more than that, the fact that we want to take to heart these spiritual truths, that's why we use our worship series theme to ask Jesus, tell us a story. And the story that we have in front of us today is a story of perplexing generosity. The story doesn't start out in a very perplexing way. It seems pretty straightforward at the beginning. There's a landowner on his land. There's a vineyard And he goes to hire some people to work in his vineyard. He goes to the marketplace where people who are looking for work stand and wait for someone to hire them. And he hires a number of people, makes an agreement with them that he's going to pay them a a fair but fairly generous day's wage, and they're going to come work in the vineyard. That seems to make sense. Even if we're not used to that sort of work or manual labor or what goes into the operation of a vineyard, we get the idea of working for wages and and putting a day's work in. But it gets a little more unusual from there. Because the landowner goes back to the marketplace again and again and again on a regular interval for quite some time to hire more workers to come and work in his vineyard. And then, maybe the weirdest of all, with about an hour left in the workday, he goes back one more time and he hires people to come just put that little bit of work in his vineyard before the day is done. Well, they do, and then the day is complete, and now it's time to pay the workers. So the landowner has his uh, his uh, manager pay the workers and He first has them line up, and they they line up in reverse order. So all the people who were hired last are the first ones in line, and they get to the table, and a denarius gets placed in their hand. And denarius was that fairly generous but day's wage for people who had worked about an hour. And you can just kind of feel what it's like in the back of the line when they notice what's going on in the front. They start wondering. They start whispering to each other. Was that a denarius? They, they think they have hit the jackpot, that they're working for a man who just paid a day's wages for people who worked an hour, and here we are, we work for him all day. You just feel the excitement build. What are they going to get? And they get to the front of the line and they hold out their hand and into their hand a denarius. The exact same thing that everyone else had been given in front of them. And so as surprising as it was that they got it up front, now it was even more surprising for the people in back it just doesn't seem fair, does it? It didn't seem fair to them. It probably doesn't seem fair to you either. We get it that these workers would grumble and complain. Why would the one-hour workers and the three-hour workers and the six-hour workers all get the same thing. Why would the workers that had worked all day, who had dealt with the hot sun and the early morning and all the work that was going on, not get a single penny more than anybody else? It doesn't make sense. The story itself is pretty perplexing after all. And the landowner answers these grumbling workers as they're complaining about what they've been giving and he says, we had an agreement. You agreed to come work for me for a denarius and I kept up my end of the agreement. You have exactly what you expected, exactly what you were promised. Don't get upset because I want to be generous with other people. How do you feel about that? He's right. The landowner is right. Of course he has a right to do whatever he wants with his money. And he did, after all, live up to the agreement that he made with the first people he hired. But let's be realistic. It still doesn't seem fair, does it? It still doesn't seem quite right that that's how it would play out. How could you possibly, as a landowner, as a businessman, operate on this sort of principle where you pay a day's wages to somebody who works for you for just an hour? Your competitors are going to do a lot better than that, right? How, How would you handle that if you pay such a generous amount to people who barely even worked for you? That's the sort of question that Jesus wants us to to ask about this lesson because it really drives home the point that he's trying to make. And his point in part is the landowner is generous to everybody. He didn't have to pay a denarius. He didn't have to hire those first people in the first place. And he certainly didn't have to go back again and again and again to the marketplace where people were just standing around doing nothing that would earn them anything. And his generosity, especially to those who had done so little, is so absolutely perplexing. It's so beyond our way of thinking that Jesus says, take that perplexing concept and apply it now to spiritual matters. This is what the kingdom of heaven is like. Jesus says we shouldn't even compare the truths about the kingdom of heaven and God's generosity and His love and His grace to our sense of fairness regarding workplace interactions. It turns out the disciples of Jesus had been trying to do exactly that. Right before Jesus tells this parable, he was having a conversation with his disciples. And his disciples had seen a a rich man who went away from Jesus angry. Jesus had told them how hard it is for rich people to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples had talked to Jesus about all they had given up and all they had done and all the hard work they were doing on behalf of God's kingdom. And he even talked to them about heavenly rewards. And then he taught this parable. He taught this parable because the attitude of the disciples had turned in a, in a sort of direction that said, Look what I've done in comparison to all these other people that we can talk about. But Jesus said, Don't bother with those comparisons. Don't try to figure out who's going to get more or who's going to deserve more. Simply be blown away by God's amazing grace. Be blown away by His perplexing generosity. It turns everything upside down from your way of thinking. And that's so true that it turns our way of thinking completely around that the phrase that we heard at the very end of the parable, Jesus actually used it before He even gave the parable. He said, The last will be first, and the first last. And that's a really hard lesson for us to learn. Fairness, as we understand it, is a very important concept for us. We don't mind playing that comparison game and trying to figure out how much we've earned in relation to someone else. We might say something like, well, I go to church, and I go to church every week. I think we still have some choir members here. This is their second time today. And we could... We could get that idea that, of course, it's a little bit better and God must love me a little bit more than the people who aren't here. Or, you know, those people who just come every once in a while, like maybe Christmas and maybe Easter. Or we look down our nose on, man, we haven't seen that family in some time. What are they thinking What are they doing? And even in spiritual matters, even in the way that we relate to God, we like to take some sort of credit. We like to compare the offerings that we give to the offerings somebody else gives, because I'm sure that's more in my case. And it's not just what goes on here inside the walls of church, but we can do that comparison game in other places too. As we live our lives, as we try to show love, we can start comparing ourselves to others. But there's a problem. There's a problem if we ever get to the point that we think in any way that we have, by our actions or by our attitudes, earned or deserved anything in the spiritual realm that we've done something to earn a right relationship with God, that we've done something to to climb a ladder toward heaven, that, that we've done anything like that or earned anything like that, if we think that way, we are completely mistaken. Instead, Jesus tells us, think about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, as this amazing result of God's perplexing generosity and incomprehensible generosity Two people. It's the sort of generosity that called someone like Jacob to be his own. That was in one of our readings. We talked about Jacob as opposed to his brother Esau, and Jacob became not just the one who carried on the promise, but the forefather of the whole people of Israel, and God blessed him with that, God chose him to be his own and chose him to be that forefather even before he was born. When there could be nothing to set him apart from his brother, his twin brother, Esau. Just God's generosity. It's God's generosity that looked at the Ninevite enemies of God's people who were sinful people a land away and God loved them so much that he sent a prophet to them to call them to repentance to have them turn away from their wicked ways and God's generosity was so perplexing that Jonah was angry about it so angry i could die it's God's generosity perplexing as it is, that sent his own son Jesus to live and to die for the world. The world that includes Jonah and includes Jacob and it includes you and it includes me. No one deserved it. No one earned it. God so loved the world, He sent His Son, and Jesus lived and died. And after He lived and died, He rose from the dead to prove that He had defeated death, to prove that He had brought life and immortality for us. And He sends His Holy Spirit so that we believe it. So that we trust that word and promise of God, that we know that we have eternal life and He builds us up in our faith. His incredible and perplexing generosity to you and to me never stops. And so we need to hear about it, we need to hear our Savior's story. And we need to withstand our sinful nature's desire to keep on doing what comes naturally, to go back to our old ways, to go back to a different way of thinking and the old habits that we have based on it. We need to be careful that we're not envious of others when we see God's generosity towards them, envious like like Jonah was when he got all ready to to watch the city get destroyed and then it didn't happen? No, we need to be amazed, amazed by God's generosity toward us. And when we're amazed like that, we've got a story to share with others in the story of Jesus. Sure, when we talk about parables, there are some challenges to us understanding and appreciating them, but the lessons that Jesus teaches are so important and so valuable. By the power of the Holy Spirit in our hearts, these are the best stories of all for us to hear. And so in that way, we say thank you, Jesus, for telling us your powerful parables. Thank you, Jesus, for telling us a story of God's perplexing generosity. Amen.